So you begin uh, to approach Hollem a little past dawn, and as you approach the merchant city of Hollem, you're taken aback by the luxurious sides of the buildings. Each one has intricate and inviting designs, with engraved wood featuring beautiful artwork for the trimming and warm earth tones in all the building materials. The entire city looks as if it's inviting you into its home as an honored guest. It's not until you're just above the city that you notice that these are not homes but carefully constructed businesses, each building a different seller of wares. Whether the city contains any actual homes at all is not clear. Brummelstone immediately hates it. (laughs) (laughs) Woke up in a lucid dream Now we're hunting for the shards We might be an oddball team But at least we've got no bards World Walkers What's up everyone, I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers. Previously, the group battled nightmares on the deck of the Gambler. While they survived, many of the crew did not. After making amends with the captain, the World Walkers now head to the merchant city of Hollem, where they seek protection from the dangers of the Fields of the Forgotten. Ain't that right, Willow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my daughter. Should they listen to the rest of this episode? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be excited? Mm-hmm. Are they going to love it? Mm-hmm. Yeah? All right. Well, now you have to love it because Willow says so, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, you can see the city is divided um, carefully and conveniently into different districts. Um, there's a district that carries a strong red and brown earth tones. There's another district that seems to be comprised completely of autumn colors. Another district that seems to kind of come to life with spring colors. And then um, the last district which seems to be comprised of summer colors like greens and yellows, is where the airships come in. Are we at the world's largest mall? No. <laughs> <laughs> you want shoes are in the red district that's clothing and shoes over there. <laughs> There's little people in segways being like, don't forget where you parked. There's... All right, guys, I'm going to stay in the bouncy house area in the middle with Roberto, <laughs> and you guys will meet up at the food court. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the largest Ikea ever. Yes, we can get all the meatballs we want. Um, Ertlebe would grab Tompkins and point towards the paintings and be like, Tompkins, are you in any of those? And he looks down and he says, what happened? Is that when you? <laughs> no, this is <laughs> terrible. Why? And he's looking and he's like, because none of that's art. Wait, wait, can I, can I just interject that it's like, I feel like the song They Paved Paradise and Put Up a Parking Lot is playing in the background. <laughs> like, <laughs> your mind. Can, I, can I say that I think all the paintings look like Thomas Kincaid paintings? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Tompkins just looks really upset and he's like, this is not art. This is just drawings. None of this is any, doesn't have any kind of historical context at all. What is this? Like... And uh, the ship lands, or it docks in the Travel District, as you'll learn soon. Um, And that's the one that's comprised of summer colors. Like, really beautiful greens and yellows, some light oranges, um, if they're feeling a little daring. Um, 
Remember, we're in lot E, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are, speaking of which, there are, like, previously you, you've kind of, the port districts in other cities have just been kind of like a large kind of rounded off area where ships would come up and dock. This really does have like sectors for airships to come in. And instead of like nuzzling up against like a cliffside or something like that, like Follis has a large cliff area for the airships to come up to. This really does actually have large cobblestone lots for the airships to come down in. And they have sections that you have to stay right in the middle of and kind of situate if you will. Uh, unlike Cosnic, the exit out of the travel district doesn't look nearly as congested or annoying. Hooray! Yeah, yeah so, Cosnic was crazy. Um, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Me and Claiborne just ran right through. <laughs> <laughs> Did Brummelstone make himself sad? Wrote that memory. I was like, too soon, me. Too soon. <laughs> well, Brummelstone would have looked at the place and been like, it's all like that shitty, shitty restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And like heartbroken <laughs> because him and Clayboard made fun of that shitty, shitty restaurant all the way to the nice restaurant that they went to and later got beat up in. Or, well, Brummelstone got beat up in it. Uh, so <laughs> it's a lot of painful <laughs> memories. He would hold his side, uh, not holding his heart, but the scars that are still there. <laughs> so as soon as the ship docks, um, the captain's already got the ropes over the side, and he says, two days? Yeah, and Vasa would go up to him, and she would pass over a pouch of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's significantly more or heavier than 75 gold should be. And she says, you know, Captain, whether you return in two days or not, this is yours. It's not to pay for the lives of your men, because no sum can pay that cost. This is to help you rebuild. And then she presses the pouch gold into his hands. And he just, you're waiting for the retort, and it's just kind of a quiet nod, and he throws it under his uh, coat and ties it up. Yeah, it was 200 gold. Damn, girl! <laughs> he says, uh, it's best if you hurry off the ship. Yeah. And then Vasa would grab that rope and climb down very carefully. <laughs> Vasa dies, unfortunately. Vasa <laughs> dies right there. <laughs> dies in the ballpark. <laughs> just blows up. She's like Wiley Coyote with like gravity. It's just not, it's not her friend. That's the best image is like you grabbing the rope and just catching fire for no reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just can't contact. What is happening? Uh, all right. So you make your way through the bustling crowds and you get to the edge of the travel district. But I'm not really sure where you guys want to go now. And Tompkins looks up at you and he says, so, where to, guys? Well, it seems like our primary mission is to get the magic stuff. Uh, we are I, thought we, magic. I, thought, I thought we needed to rest. I thought we needed to, like, first That's get true. a rest. Well, Tin, Tin's kind of, like, mumbling nervous. She's like, we were supposed to do that outside of the city. <laughs> Tin is right. Well, we're like at the edge, right? Can we just go off the mall parking lot and into the? It's up, the yeah, yeah, you area? could. You could just leave if you wanted to. Um, there are large walls that section off the city that's heavily guarded. Um, the guards are draped in uh, purple and browns. Um, they wear. Uh, it looks like chainmail, but there's something about the design that doesn't really add up to any of the armor connoisseurs in the group. 
Um, and they wear large tabards with the symbol of the merchant city of Hollem on it. And they scout heavily. It's almost impossible to leave without someone noticing. Molokop. Um, <laughs> how, in terms of like, in terms of the general mood of the civilians, is there tension? Is there fear? Is everybody lucky, happy-go-lucky? People are excited to be here. Like the moment they can get off their ships, they're charging out. The there are people. The people that are leaving look ragged and tired, and <laughs> they have um. They like either Disneyland. have large families or they have people who are helping them bring their purchases to the airships. Because, again, you didn't see any kind of housing as you came in. Yeah. And it's a huge city. No housing yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Possibly. Well, I mean, Vaso turns to the groom and says, well, we can go ask the guard to see what our chances are of getting back in after we leave. We don't want to be locked out. Yeah, can we tell if they're like, is it is it traveled heavily, or is everyone coming by airship? I guess no one in the cog really. Yeah, like, most people are travels. coming in by airship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like how many right. people walk into LA on a daily basis? Uh, twenty-two. Twenty-two. <laughs> That's actually correct. <laughs> no. uh, now, Tin or Ertleby, how much exposure to the city would you two have? Ertleby would have been at least once. Yeah. Probably Tin. Might have flown here once, but didn't. So not a lot. Like she really doesn't. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Can we get in and out without airship? Um. Yeah, you're free to check in and out with guards. Oh, okay, um, great. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to take your information down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, has a there idea. is no guarantee Focus. that they have to let you back in. There are no rights. There's no. This is the merchant city of Hollem, so it's the, its own laws, its own rules. You don't have like another kingdom over this kingdom mm-hmm. watching out for you. So they could decide not to let you. And I'm not trying to make that too ominous. I just want to be upfront that like, yeah, if you were to walk out going "fuck you guys, motherfuckers," they could just shut the gates on you. Like, I'm gonna seduce them. Uh, Tin Tin suddenly has the idea of like, if we need like to uh, have a reason for why we're leaving through the gates, we can pretend to be the exhausted people who are like, oh, and then <laughs> and we can like use our exhaustion to like kind of be convincing and like why we need to leave. Yeah. You could also say that because we're exhausted, we need to we want to go check out the the nearby beach. Is that mm, yeah available? Yeah, yeah. I'll just say yeah. we want to catch some scenery. Yeah, but the beach, like, is closer to the city. Like, it's almost like a part of the city. So you can still go to the beach. Yeah, yeah, it's still outside. Okay, so that's Um, that's packed. Packed people. Oh, I mean, that's fine. So, Mm -hmm. Bremlestone, you're looking at this large sign, and it's. You've never, I don't think, you've never seen something like this in Obrimos, where there's just this huge huge engraving that actually it's it's like four separate large large wooden panels um heavily decorated with paint and carvings and these four different wooden panels are segmented but also supposed to be part of one larger sign essentially like they've taken they spent a lot of time trying to make these look like they're separate even though they're all actually connected. Like, mm. maybe someone who's into, like, design or art is impressed with this, but, like, maybe 
you being from Obrimos and being a more uh, straightforward kind of dwarf just looks like a big waste of construction time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. it lays out the four yeah, districts. Designers, gross marketing departments. <laughs> it lays out four different districts. There is the Armory District, and that sign um, is comprised of reds and browns. Mm-hmm. There's the Workbench District, which is comprised of autumn colors. The Apparel District, which is made of spring-like colors. And then the Travel District, which is covered in greens and yellows in its design. Do I gain any like insight into where, like, especially the amulets we're looking for? And would that's be, the like- thing is like while you're looking at this board, right? You're kind of looking at you're looking at these boards over and over again. You're kind of studying mm-hmm. them, and maybe you mumble under your breath like, "Where's the arcane district or the <laughs> magic district or whatever?" And um, Tin and Ertlebe would hear that. Um, so whether, whatever you say to him is up to you, but you would know there is no arcane district. Like there used to be an arcane district back when magic was kind of a thing, um, on Cog, but after the mages war, they shut that shit down and reorganized the entire city. So maybe you hear him say that like, Hey, where's the arcane district? And it's up to you guys how you want to tell him like casually and formally, whatever. But you hear Brummelstone kind of mutter like, so where's the arcane district? It would be it would be like where the hell you get the magic shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you Wait. talking about? Uh, isn't that the reason we came? Yes, it totally is. Which is why it's weird that I didn't speak up earlier. There's no arcane district, not here anyway. Um, when you guys were on your way here, it was because Claiborne had contacts here mm-hmm. in the underbelly. Did she pass on those contacts in some form or fashion? I don't believe so. <laughs> Did she, like, Did she? <laughs> if anybody would know. I'm yeah, I was, that's what I was thinking too. It's like, good Did question. She? <laughs> yes. I have them written <laughs> on my hand here. Uh-huh. I need to go see Miguel in the transportation district. <laughs> Vasa, Vasa <laughs> got a 14 cellar. on picking up on perception check for local gossip on any events that have happened or will happen. This city is the most boring, exciting place you could visit. There's tons of things happening, none of any interest. Like okay. sales, famous bards, and... No murders, no disappearances, no kidnappings. Nope. All right. Well, is pretty tired. She didn't try to listen very hard anyway. So if that's a... Maybe I would scour the sign for, uh, you know, uh, any sort of, like, secret markings or something. like. Yeah, you kind like, of scour it, and with your investigation, you can see that, as far as you can tell, there's nothing. There's no secret code that's like, psst, yeah. good shit over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is where Brummel's known as, like, this town is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, we wanna, you wanna go talk to the guards and stuff to get us out of the city? Certainly we all need to sleep. Everyone step back, I'm going to seduce them. (laughs) (laughs) And we waddle over to the guards, and over to these, like... Every, every exit, like, there's several exits to the city. Um, every exit has... A set of um, guard stations. Like, there's like two different guard towers. And you can uh-huh. see there are people up there that you never speak to. And then mm-hmm. there are two guards on each side of the door. 
So Vasa is kind of like tiredly being like, wait, grandmother, but she's just too tired to reach out and stop her. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All right. So you walk up to the guards. Hello, handsome. <laughs> one of them looks at the other one. Ma'am? I am a nature lover, and I would like to go out and be amongst the nature with my friend. May I be promised, at least as much as anyone can promise, readmission to this fine city after I communed with the plant? Are you just heading down to Whitestone? Why, That's the beach. Yes. Uh, but also via nature. I need to, I'm from the countryside and all this hubbub is so exciting, but I haven't been able to get a good rest. I need a place to set up camp for a little while where there's no people. Are there any people there? You're going to go sleep in the wild? Yes. And he kind of looks over to uh, Brummelstone and he's like, you're going to let your, your mother go sleep in the wild? Please uh, forgive her, guards. Uh, she's tired and crazy. Uh, this way to White so we're just going to the beach. This way. As Tin approaches, I assume you approach Tin. Mm-hmm. They kind of, their heads raise up a little bit. And they nod at you. Uh, Tin nods back. Nice. <laughs> so smooth. Done. Smooth. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> smooth apple. <operator. laughs> and they're uh, not yes. stopping you. Hey. Goodbye, handsomes. Winky face. Sorry, sorry <laughs> about her. <laughs> they don't really seem to notice anymore. Oh, professional. Probably too focused on twi- they're probably too focused on Tin. Yeah. Tin, are you walking by in like slow-mo uh Baywatch, like motion. Yeah. yeah. Do I do I have like an epic soundtrack where I'm like slow mo walking and there's an explosion behind me and I just like they're just like oh that is the hottest boy. <laughs> Tin's used to some racism, but she's not used to like the potential. Yeah, it would be a, it's one of a couple things. It's either the fact that you are carrying around a rifle um and they're taking notes of the fact that you're a gunslinger and they're not sure like they might have a certain level of either respect or apprehension about having a gunslinger in their city. It could also be that you're forged and the forged don't I mean, it's not like necessarily like a um a planned aspect of their culture, but the forged don't because the Forge don't need, they don't generally also want a lot, mm-hmm. Forge don't find the need to come out to the merchant city of Hollem and peruse and window shop. Like, Forge mm-hmm. are pretty self-sustaining, uh, so they tend not to be... I, know, I don't want to use the wrong word. Like, I don't want to be lazy on my language, but, like, they're not nearly as capitalistic as the other races. They don't go to just mm-hmm. shop. You wouldn't have known that, considering how hard Tin was holding onto that healing potion. That was ages ago. Ages. Oh my! Oh my! I like to think that also the forged are the mall dads of the world. 
what am I doing here? <laughs> on their phones. The the Forge don't necessarily have that desire or need to purchase things. It could be that okay. they just don't see a lot of forged out here. It could be the fact that you're a gunslinger. It could be a combination of both. And then also, okay. you know, magic is kind of leaving this world. So a giant magic golem might also be the reason. But whatever it is, they're, cool. they're kind of leaving you guys alone and just. Cool guys, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Tin was just making sure she's like, oh, crap. Was there like a secret handshake? I forgot. But now that she's like checked her memory banks for that. And Tompkins that- used his shield to check them out. That a boy, Tompkins. And then when, when, <laughs> like, when, when he's convinced that what he's seen is okay, he puts the shield away and walks out with you guys. Cool. Always on guard. We should head towards the beach until we're out of the line of sight of the guards up there before we we round about uh, back to a place that we can safely sleep. Tompkins leans over and kind of whispers to Brummelstone. He's like, so far everyone checks. And he pats the shield and keeps walking. Keep an eye on them. The beach is beautiful. Um, it seems to be a mix of um, beautiful natural sand and then this really interesting... Um, but to everyone else, it's this beautiful mix of like uh, perfect uh, yellow and white sand. Brummelstone looks and sees a desert that's been infested with like fake white rocks. It's a travesty, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> so, like, everyone else is like, wow, this beach is beautiful. But, like, Brummelstone sees that this, they've artificially mixed this sand <laughs> over the years. <laughs> the paper does. Fake beach. <laughs> yeah. Fake beach. <laughs> yeah. So, like, not only does it look like trash to Brummelstone, but the amount of time they must have spent to make this look organically distributed through the sand. More and more, Brummelstone is becoming mall dad. Just, like, <laughs> so pissed. He has to get the parking was terrible. All these shops are overpriced. What is this bullshit sand? But eventually you uh, make your way towards the ocean and then find a way, especially with Vasa leading, kind of shifting your way past and out further and further and further until you find a nice isolated uh, area of the beach. It's got a kind of small, um, like, basically like the sand kind of dips in a bit, and then there's a uh, rise of land that kind of dips in, so you guys can kind of tuck yourselves into that, like a little alcove. Tin's a little nervous about sleeping on sand because she's worried that it will affect their ability to move. It is kind of tricky. Like, it, it you guys are taking a slower time through here, obviously, because the sand is very soft, and like it's a meant... Bed. It's kind of like a bed. It's it's really soft. It's kind of meant for you to like walk slowly on the beach, and you kind of sink in. So yeah, it is difficult terrain. Mm-hmm. Is there rockier terrain? You could leave the soft and welcoming sand of the beach, and go further up. Tin would insist on that. She has a bedroll, and she has rations. <laughs> so she's like holding both of those off out and like almost like she's like trying to like coax like come on come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Soft. yeah Brummelstone would be for it just because he would feel it was more organic or he was hoping it would be like 
he's like gonna be sadly disappointed if he finds all the rocks are like hollowed faced. Glass is like, do you think do you think we could gather a cloak full of the sand to help pad our bed if we were to go into the rocks? I'm going sure. to I'm going to gather a cloak full of the sand. <laughs> can can I borrow somebody's cloak? Oh, we'll use we'll use Tompkins shield to carry it. Tompkins give me the shield. No, 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 no. Get get it's it's scoop shaped. It's scoop shaped. We can carry. Why Tompkins, do you want to carry here, sand? Do you want to sleep on something soft or something jagged? And he kind of he like very very uh, coolly and triumphantly pulls a pillow from behind the. Uh, shield and he's like i'll take something soft thank you tomkins you give me the shield <laughs> he starts running yeah yeah we, i would keep walk crumblestone would keep walking looking for and so then he turned around light. before like as he when he gets a safe distance away he's like i believe i have to hold the shield to stay attuned to it Vasa starts trying to pull out her bow and arrow <laughs> <laughs> So then her arms just like fall like heavy, heavy objects. She's like, oh my god, I can't, I, I just can't. And then she just slugs after the rest of the group. Wasn't yeah, so I think we're gonna out. look for the not rough him. terrain. He doesn't mm -hmm. need his left leg. He has a right. Tin, Tin in her mind is like, they'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. So you guys find some sturdier terrain. Are you bedding down? You bet we are. I think only yeah. two of us just sleep at a time. Erdelby is out. Uh, right. If nobody, if Ertleby or Voss or whoever's sleeping doesn't have a bedroll, Tin will offer it to them to make it nicer to sleep. Rumblestone would say that, like, Vasa, you probably should sleep because you're going to need to wheel and deal more than Rumblestone would. So. And Tompkins says, uh, I disagree. We need you to sleep, don't we? You we can't replenish your arcane reserves without some sleep. Well, all three of you sleep. Me and Tompkins will try and. Definitely, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's not. Um, it's not even really about replenishing our magic. It's about just being sane and not at a disadvantage for being so exhausted. You like, need that's eight important. hours to to really? remove a level of exhaustion. Wait, I mean, honestly, when Vasa need it, because we're going to need you to negotiate more in the city. Then, well, I assume that we're all going to be well rested before we go into the city. Like, I thought we we're going through into the city as a group, or we're we just sending Vasa in alone. No, I thought we were going in as a group, but I didn't know if it was like we have this two-hour time Tompkins is already frame. like Brumblestone's so tired he doesn't realize that Tompkins has already kind of laid him down, yeah. and put his pillow down, <laughs> and he's <laughs> right, he's You'll tucking Brumblestone in as he's arguing because <laughs> I'm just Tin Tin look at Vasa Tin. For those for those listening to the podcast, Wesley has gone to sucking his thumb to illustrate the contentment at which Brummelstone finds his rest. Yeah. Very content. Tin Tin would um look at Tomkins and say, like, do you think you'll be able to stay up eight hours? Yep. Uh then she would turn to Vasa and say, Vasa I know it's hard to trust Tompkins, but hopefully you I can don't. trust me enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> rude. Um, no, no, not you. It was the Tompkins. It was oh, about the Tompkins okay. part, not the Tim part. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like, yes, he's... <laughs> um, so Tim, Tim would just say, it's like, we 
it's a scary thing to to sleep, but we I think we need you at your best. And to do that, uh, you should sleep while the rest are sleeping to be the most efficient with our time. Um, me and Tompkins will stay awake. I for sure will stay awake. Um, we got you, boo. Oh. True that. Nate. Shut up, Tompkins. No. Tompkins is trying to tuck in Vasa. Nope. <laughs> 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 uh, and the Vasa says, you know, as it stands, if two nightmares emerge from them, we have the number advantage. If I go to sleep, you'll be outnumbered. Yeah, but we'll just wake you up then. <laughs> If we're not Boom. dead. Boom, yeah. logic. We could yeah. be dead. <laughs> uh. Well, that would suck. Um, but I think I don't think Well last time you oh, like, no, 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 no. Here's, here's what Vasa's gonna do. Vasa says Let me stay up two hours just to see if the nightmares comes from them. If nothing happens, I'll go to sleep. Alright, sounds good. I agree. Shut up, Tom. I'm part of the team. Oh, we love you, Duncan. <laughs> Ertleby Ertleby says in her sleep. sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, so you guys kind of bed down, prepare, take watch, and after two hours, it's it's fine. Vasa looks yeah. almost unhappy that nothing has happened because she doesn't trust it still, but she's also exhausted, and she just goes, "All right," and she folds herself into the least uncomfortable wedge among the rocks that she can find and she's out and right. she's she's gripping she's gripping the shard as she's as she, in underneath her tunic as she's falling asleep all right so during those eight hours uh tin are you talking to tomkins at all or he's just gonna kind of idle unimportant chit chat well uh, yeah i'm probably like in like uh what is it power saver mode um nah. i'm just kidding uh, i'm just kidding uh, uh, <laughs> the screensaver is running your <laughs> eyes blue screen. Yeah, I, I just flying like flying toasters just across. Yeah, you know when when uh, electronics are like kind of in sleep mode, uh, they do like the glow expands and then con- like that's yeah. her eyes. I know. Uh, um, yeah, ten will probably uh, chat with Tompkins. Doesn't really have anything like that she has like that she needs to know or anything. Just like chit chat. Like, hey, how's your day? He just kind of shrugs, and yeah, he kind of chit-chats with you a little bit, too. Nothing like... You guys kind of talk about Cog, and he kind of gets you to talk a little more about idle chit-chat stuff, because he doesn't know what Cog's like anymore. Like, you're free to pick his brain on what Cog used to be like, but on the other side of the coin, he doesn't know what Cog's like anymore. So, if you end up talking with him, like, he's willing to listen. Yeah, I'll tell him all the things that are and aren't racist. Um, (laughs) But you're surprised that eight hours go by without an incident. When you notice that, if you're talking, if you bring that up to Tompkins, uh, he would say that his theory is basically that you guys were not around any sleepers for a couple days. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why the nightmares couldn't track us. Mm. I get you, like bat sonar, kind of mm. like yeah, like we lo- like we were out of the air, like we kept everybody awake. 
Mm. And then we got on an airship. And we, I mean, we were already on the airship, but like, we traveled a pretty big distance. I mean, I don't know if I know what I'm talking about, but I like to think that that's maybe they haven't caught. I mean, you know, obviously we've slept. They're going to start catching up to us. But, um, well, that was the thing. Like, when we stayed in Obremus for like a week, then they caught us. Right. Because it was, because they maybe they could just keep checking from where we last were. Interesting. So after eight hours, though, um, it almost like clockwork, Tompkins get up, gets up, he walks over, and he slides uh, the pillow out from underneath um, Rumblestone's head, and you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks away, and he puts the pillow on uh, his shield, and then he cuddles up next to the shield and goes to sleep. Can you believe he was married? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ten... Would potentially try and want to kick because I think Tompkins is asleep. So she kind of feels like, well, I might as well sleep if he's going to sleep. So yeah, Tin is going to go up to maybe Vasa since she was the most paranoid about like everybody dying and be like, gently pat her awake, or nudge her awake and just say, uh, we all lived. Um, Tompkins just fell asleep. So I'm going to try and uh, fall asleep as well. Wish me luck. Vasa stretches her arms above her head, and she's just a changed woman. I mean, eight hours of sleep isn't going to overcome not sleeping for a week or so, but the difference is, like, you can tell that she's thinking more clearly. She looks like she might want to try to punch Tompkins a little bit more energetically. She's all good. She's she's feeling better. And she doesn't wake up, Ertleby. Yep, so now you only take disadvantage on checks. You don't have the half speed for anyone that gets sleep. What? It doesn't clear um, up. Uh, it clears it by one level each time you guys sleep. All right. Well, I'm going to let Ertle be sleep a little longer. How much longer do you guys uh, do you just let her sleep the whole eight hours as again? As long as she can. As yeah. long as she can. Rumblestone spends the time just staring at the at the sea. Yeah. Uh, Vasa would actually try to conversate with Rumblestone. She would say, you know, did, did Claiborne mention any information about her contacts in the city? Unfortunately not. And then nope. Vasa says, um, if it doesn't sound like the city has an outstanding, uh, an obvious undercurrent of crime. You know, I, I think when we go in, we might have to split off a little bit to try to fish out whether we can find somebody who's willing to strike a deal with us. It seems reasonable. It might be best to hit the tavern. Yeah, the town that big seems like it's got to have some sort of drinking. Oh, God, I hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> I don't know, it's a shit town. Yeah. And then if, if there was not really nothing to say, like, Vasa would just also stare at the beach and st- in this, like, stoic... There's just, like, Vasa and Brummelstone both, like, silent and just staring at the beach. Very stoic together. And maybe at some point, like in the long, in the long silence, Rumblestone would look over very briefly and say, "Sorry," and stare back at him. And Vasa just says, "Sorry."
Thanks for listening to episode 51, They Paved Paradise. This marks the one-year anniversary of World Walkers. been releasing podcasts every week since December 4th, 2016. I honestly figured I'd have a good run, and then I'd probably have to slow down. I'd put in some good effort, and then it would probably take a while for anyone to find the podcast, and maybe eventually we'd have that one episode, people start liking it, talking about it, and we'd slowly see some people jumping in and listening to the podcast. Instead, people came together, showed us that they cared, and now we have a great community that supports not just the podcast, but each other. I love hanging out with all of you whether it's in the live streams, on Twitter, or in Discord. And even though this last year was amazing, I can't wait to get into the next one. I think it's going to be even bigger. All right? Uh-huh. Willow's still with me, so. <laughs> you excited about next year? Yeah, I'm Princess Willow. You're Princess Willow. Okay, correction. Princess Willow's with me. So, there's definitely some people I need to thank before I wrap this up. First off, I have to thank all of you for listening and sharing the podcast. This isn't possible without you, and while you may appreciate the podcast, I'll forever appreciate you more for making me see that the stories and worlds I have are worth sharing. I also need to thank the Patreon supporters who've allowed me to make this my full-time job. Without you, my daughter would be in daycare, I'd be at a job I hate, and every night I'd come home and struggle to figure out how I was going to make all this happen. I want to thank Aram, the creator of God's Fall, as well. When I was struggling to decide whether I should try to do a podcast, it was Aram who gave me advice, insight, and most importantly, encouragement. I had no idea what I was doing, and honestly, some might argue that's still the case, but the foundation for everything I know about podcasting came from my conversations with Aram. If you haven't listened to God's Fall, you have to, and you can find it and more of Aram's work at neonrival.com. The entire podcast wouldn't be possible without the World Walkers themselves, and any attempt at gratitude would be hollow without mentioning them. The group, for the most part, didn't know me and never heard of me before Megan introduced me, and what started out as me running a game for them has turned into me having some of the best friends I ever could hope for. I'm incredibly lucky to know each of them, and they are some of the truest and most wonderful, good people I've ever known. My life is better for having them in it. Lastly, I need to thank my wife, Jess. There is no sane reason why she would ever let me risk everything to pursue such a weird and high-risk career. But every single time I stopped believing in myself, every single time I told her it was time for me to give up and go get a real job, she would sit me down and make me understand that I wasn't allowed to give up, and she knew I could do it. The truth is, though, that I would never be able to do it without her. You can always find us on Twitter at WorldWalkersPod, Facebook.com slash WorldWalkersPod, Twitch.tv slash Pedro Galicia, and you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. The music from this episode comes from Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Incompetech.com. The sound effects come from Sirenscape, which you can find at Sirenscape.com. Um, yeah, it's the middle of the night now um, when... Um, Ertlebe finally wakes up, and you don't have any problems with exhaustion, Ertlebe, because you have slept for a total of 16 hours. You still there? She's asleep now. Did Olivia fall asleep? I think so. (laughs) Guys, this has been World Walker. Back up next time. Why oh Olivia? God. Everyone will see you later. <laughs> How long has she been asleep? Just, just watch. It's very dark. Okay, do we want to end here? Or do we want to try I to wake just... her up? <laughs>
I think no, this I think is, we have to end here. This is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> is she not faking? Oh, You're overselling it, Olivia. Yeah, this gag is going There's on. No too way long. the camera would move that much. <laughs> I'm going to be upfront and honest that uh, I'm happy that the mall um, tone has been conveyed properly. <laughs> Don't feel like you guys are making fun of my city. <laughs> I, I was like, this I, is I, like I what I'm going just... for. Excellent. Yeah. Good. I was like, I hope he doesn't feel like it's no, no. It's whatever. I've been running Cog like can't uh like chronologically for like thousands of years. So okay. this place is always different, and this is the newest iteration of it. Ugh. Ugh. It's gonna shut down. They're gonna find out <laughs> online air shops, and it's gonna be a wasteland <laughs> in three hundred millennia. What if because Brummelstone has the magic? What if uh, Brummelstone or Ertlebee sleep? Ertlebee wakes up after four hours. Vasa gets some sleep, but Brummelstone gets the full eight. The four hours will only give Ertlebee a short rest. They won't give her a long rest. Okay. She'll have to sleep eight hours later. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's not, it's not even really about replenishing our magic. It's about just being sane and not at a disadvantage for being so exhausted. You like, need that's eight important. hours. To to really? remove yeah. a level of exhaustion, <laughs> which that's that's why like yeah, Bromostown would would push look for Vasa because he's like no no I, only because I have the rules right here. I looked them up ahead of time just in case. Kids like I combative and argue. <laughs> right. Fine, fine. Earl V and Bromostone, just go down. Just go down. That's that's a slow breathe. Then those are circadian rhythms there. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding rhythms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you? Do you need to? Guys, I fell asleep. <laughs> 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 Somebody said circadian rhythms. I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the cutest thing. <laughs> So that's where you end the podcast. Is that's that, what I'm doing. That, it's absolutely where it's gonna fucking end. Play the outro <laughs> credits, and then behind there is like someone said circadian rhythms, and I woke up. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. And we, we were just heard like breathing. Oh my god, am I snoring? <laughs> no, it's just breathing. <laughs> we had been talking the entire time, so we couldn't hear your breathing, but then we were all silent to see Odobi's response. It was just breathing sound. <laughs> oh my god, I was asleep. <laughs> so I'm like smiling really big. I'm so glad it's so shadowy. None can see me. Haha. <laughs>